Okay, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After the Glass Slipper. Our tale of uh, what happened to, to well, hmm, it's a, uh, did I, what did I, did I just say episodic or serial? I don't know, I, I blanked out there in the last four seconds. Uh, like, got, got a distracted brain, would you believe that? Uh, so, welcome to our uh, episodic modular series, uh, the, like After the Glass Slipper. Now, if you're new, there's a lot of questions to answer, <laughs> like in this brief intro. Brief, soothing, lulling intro as your pillow gets more and more comfortable with each confusing step I take. Uh, uh, what it episodically modular means is there's a way for me. It, it, episodic means each episode you could kind of listen to in any order. And I'll take you like a bunch of time to kind of fill you in. Uh, like, uh, cause it's a bit, but it is a bedtime story. And so but you can listen to it in any order. So there's no pressure there. If you're saying, well, Scoots, uh, never heard of this Cinderella before or her stepmother. I don't have any f- experience in fairy god parenting. Don't worry. I got you covered. In fact, there's no pressure. You, you don't, you like, uh, you, you neither need to leave your opinions of any of those subjects at home or have opinions. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. Be interesting though. It may start if if like I never thought about that. But if you do have opinions about those things, uh, especially like a method methodology of fairy god parenting, I might be interested. Uh, don't know if I have time for that, but uh, like, but so okay. Where was it? episodically modular? Just means you can listen to it in any order. There's the the TLDR version. Holy macaroni. Yeah, uh, but they are related. I do, like I don't know if the, I think the episodic episodic part also means like uh, I don't have any notes in front of me. And okay, so that's episode. So it's called After the Glass Slipper. It's originally this is season three. If you could tell, this is our first uh, episodically modular series, <laughs> not our first episodic series, but. Uh, uh, the series After Glass Sipper follows After the Glass uh, Sip, Sip, Sipper. That's a different podcast. Uh, that was uh, like the, the rise and fall of the, the theme park and the glass uh, sipper. Uh, that was another failed business of mine. I said, well, we're using these plastic sippers for at a theme park. Use glass. It's a new thing. Didn't work at the theme park. So would you believe that uh, glass uh, drinking vessels... Uh, in fact, it worked in negatively for me. Okay, so after the glass, so Slipper follows um, what happened to Cinderella. After the glass Slipper stuff, she became princess. She became queen. She became the ruler. She ruled as the ruler. She also had such a big heart that eventually she forgave her stepmother, saw what lied dormant in her the leadership skills that lay dormant in her uh, stepmother. Let her stepmother use those leadership skills to varying levels of success and continue to rule in in a fair and kind way. And that led to her stepmother, whose name happens to be Agatha, uh, becoming a heroine and uh, making not the ultimate sacrifice, but a pretty big one. She sacrificed her human corporal body or just her corporal body. <laughs> I think I've made jokes about that before. Uh, like, uh, I love to, like, I love Tim Curry. He'll just say, well, I'm corporal. I'm not Mr. Body now. I'm corporal body. 
Reporting for duty, Corporal Body. Uh, okay, go dust this stuff. Thank you, Corporal Body. I'm, I'm gonna, okay. So she sacrificed her corporal body for her humanity, her consciousness, her personality became a pit of lentils, P-I-T of lentils, uh, the things, the legumes. And basically was transformed from a human woman into a pit, a, a human consciousness lay laden, maybe, I don't know, like as a pit, pit of lentils, more like a swimming pool uh, full of partially cooked lentils. Though if you're more comfortable with them being dried, that's fine with her and me. They could have become re reconstituted, whatever. She's It's like a swimming pool of lentils that can take on, kind of like nanobots. I think I tried to describe it like that before. She could take on different forms. She can point. Uh, she can move, but she still has, you know, all the ups and downs of being a human that is a pit of lentils. Though you wouldn't know it with her personality because she's a teacher. She te she teaches a class, co-teaches it with a, a fairy god person named Shelley. And they're teaching, speaking of reconstitution, they're teaching a class on uh, like uh, what happens when uh, two separate peoples are kind of, kind of like put together. Uh, like what myths are being lost uh, from the oral tradition of the fairy people. So that's been something they've been working. That's what the class was about. And that's what these episodic modular series are. Just uh, each one is one class, except for the last two were related. So you do, you can say gotcha if you want. You did catch, catch me. I think that's it. Um, uh, any questions, please forward them to, uh, please forward them to outer space. Uh, it, they'll be they'll they'll eventually be answered maybe by this tale if you catch your spoiler alert, and or then maybe that's more foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing, you're gonna have quite like you probably already have questions. Like like uh, anyway, I'm glad you're here. As they say in the podcast intro, I'm, I hope I can help you fall asleep. I was just trying to catch you up and wait for someone who's late as usual because I guess I don't pay for their electricity and their fancy Tesla. Are you ready to play Munchkin? Oh, my friend, I'm so ready. Now, last time you're okay that I beat you last time in Munchkin. Yeah, this is Antonio Banderas. Every week we like play a game of Munchkin. Uh, Steve, Steve Jackson games, is that who makes it, uh, Antonio? My friend, why don't you create a URL and then maybe you could uh, link to it as sleepwithmepodcast.com slash munchkin. Well, that'd be great if I had any clue how to spell munchkin. I guess you could read it off the box. Uh, okay, so anyway, you got to introduce the series. As the ladies, as, as the girls, uh, ladies is the gentlemen, the boys is the girls, the friends beyond the binary, lovers of games and munchkins everywhere. It's time for another episode of After is the Glasses Slipper. Yeah. Wow, that was great. Thanks, Antonio Banderas, everybody. Oh, hello, children and babies. My little man lying in bed as I return to the chamber that once was my bedroom with my, you know, my private bedroom with my bow. A man of letters, a letter, a letter who became a man, but he was still the letter. 
Uh, he's my little man lying there in bed sleeping. And then my room became host to Cinderella's new baby. And then eventually they knocked down the walls. They said, well, if we're already going to expand a chamber so a woman can move about as a pit of lentils, uh, uh, I guess the flowing of my lentils, the vo the sound of vibrating lentils Im imitating the vocal cords of a human being, yet the fact that that vibrates the whole room with the love I feel for all of you babies resting and really resting and not climbing up on your elbows, even though that's good exercise when it is time for you to play, little baby. Uh, I want to tell you about my day here in class, baby. So rest in my letter man as I get close next to you in bed here. And I feel the, the, the sun coming through the window because it is nap time. And I hear they have a giant, uh, whatever, horn-like thing to echo my voice down to the village for all the sleeping babies and the people there. What a day it was for Shelley today in class. She recounted her own myth, uh, not, not her backstory, a myth that she loved and really a myth to bring our class a full circle. You know, we'll have the wrap-up next week, but oh, Shelley. Now, we, we, were ha we had a professional uh, agreement, uh, don't, like the professionally don't talk to me outside of class. Uh, don't tr Well, try my patience. T test me. We did test each other. I think I was talking, and... Uh, Eventually, we did, uh, so, like, take our office and, you know, put the tape down the middle of it like they do in so many of those acting performances. And, uh, but we agreed to be agreeable, Shelley and I, uh, and to, to give ourselves a space of disagreeability from time to time. We had disagreeability time, and that's when we did, I did the tape down the office. So it was actually fun. The students came in and observed uh, but today was the day Shelley really shone, and she took this class, oh, so full circle. And she said, I want to talk about a, a myth uh, uh, related to a myth that a lot of the humans tell in one another. And depending on where you were uh, grown and where you heard your first myths, uh, the myth goes a little bit differently. And she said, now, it should be easy for everyone to remember because it's pretty popular, the end of the myth. And she said, the beginning isn't super important. And Shelley said, the, also, the end, I think she said something, depending on the uh, intentions of the patriarchy. And I said, oh, yes, uh, they, the, they always have their intentions and how they spin the myth, which is true. So Shelley is a brilliant, brilliant teacher. But she told the the more the older version, I believe, uh, uh, the pre pre whatever this calendar that we have now. So she said it, it goes a little. So it's a little bit general because I don't want to break it out. But basically, once upon a time, there was like a human. Oh, and uh, what was his name? Oh boy. Oh, own lots, and he was uh, part god, part human. Always the way own lots was, and he was also the greatest. He had been given a divine oboe from his grandmother, and uh, you would think, why wouldn't you give him a, like a lyre or uh, 
you know, something he could wear. But he had a oboe, had a strap. Uh, and also, when people, when he went to a c- c- country that wasn't familiar with the oboe, and they hadn't seen him play the oboe, they said, well, "What is that thing? And what kind of strange weapon is that?" Uh, so very useful, I guess. Uh, and he could play the oboe like no, because of course he was had an extra advantage as not being a hundred percent human. Uh, he could play the oboe and cover all the emotions. Oh, the oboe playing, he could play on lots. And uh, he was also an adventurer, so he had many, many adventures. And once upon a time, as it goes, he had a, he had a concluded an adventure. He had fallen in love. And he said to this other, I, I, I don't know if it was, a, I don't know the details, but he said, oh, one day, today we will be wed. They had the wedding day. And they prepared for the wedding ceremony. And as his bride to be, hint, 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 uh, prepared to head to the ceremony. Right on the way, she got interrupted by someone that said, hey, uh, I think you should come down uh, to the metaphorical and real, the metaphorical place where the Clam King and Benella live uh, deep beneath the sea. But even below there, there's a place, you know, that's dry, where, like they call it the big farm in the sea. And she said, well, I'd prefer to get married. And they said, well, it's not an optional uh, offer. And so off she went to, to live in the big farm beneath the sea. And I did not know, I guess I did not always pay attention, but Clam King and Benella, uh, after Clam King and Benella worked out their thing, at the beginning of this uh, class, as you may, that we learned, uh, uh, Clam King became the keeper of the big farm beneath the sea and all of the residents there. And so all knots was sitting, waiting, and he said, well, have I, what has happened? Is this a, ha- like, a, is it, have I had a have a, sh- a sham? And so someone said, I'm sorry, sir, what are you referring to? And he went, and then he heard the messages uh, from the birds and the crickets. They said, well, she went to go see the big farm under the sea, all knots. And Onlot said, oh, no, no, not my bow under the sea. And he played the oboe in a mournful oboe in tune. And the crickets weeped and the, 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 the bunnies weeped and the birds weeped and the people at the wedding weeped too because he said, no more buffet either. And someone gave him the bright idea to just go down to the big farm and get her and bring her back uh, and he said, maybe I just will. And there's a few instruments that go good with the sea, like an oboe, because this was a magical oboe. And so Olnots could breathe under the sea as long as he played in this mournful tune on the oboe. And deep beneath the sea went, and uh, the, sea, the sea worms, they were touched by it, and all the creatures, you know, they lit away. The ones that said, well, we don't, they said, oh, this turn, let us light the way to, to, to pass the deep dark part to the big farm beneath the sea. And so uh, Onlots was able to cross below to the deepest part of the sea, uh, to the kingdom of the Clam King, and the Clam King and Benella sat and listened to this oboe playing. And Omlats couldn't stop oboe playing because Omlats was breathing through the oboe. 
Uh, but they were so touched. Uh, the Clam King said, well, these are rules. You know, this is, uh, the, 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 I don't know if you've heard the song. Uh, do, do, you, do you take requests? Can you play Circle of Life? Uh, and Omelots didn't know that song, but played a song that summed it up the same way. And Clam King said, you understand what the Circle of Life is? I just can't break the Circle of Life. But, but for this one time, I will. But I'll tell you what, Omelots, you swim out of the sea, and your bride-to-be will swim right behind you. But you must trust me, because no, like uh, you must trust in me that I'm breaking the rules just for you. Uh, and I'll only, a strange caveat, uh, and Shelley said, this is how the myth, the end of the myth always goes. Do you, like, uh, you're not, you cannot look back, Omelots, you have to swim out of the sea. Trusting she is swimming behind you, she will be, uh, but you cannot look back and break to the trust. Uh, some sort of test, I, I guess, uh, or just a pain in the butt. That's what I said, Shelly. This sounds like a pain in the butt. Uh, and the children laughed, but I said, and Shelly shrugged. She said, Well, she said, It is, it's a setup, I think, for failure, uh, or a test for perfection. But so, of course, uh, hint, 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 uh, in now, this Omelot, despite being an adventurer and uh, a great oboe player, Omelot was pretty into Omelot. Uh, so Omelot was just thinking, oh, I can't wait to get back and kiss my little bridey poo on the cheek. I can't wait to see her dance to my music. I can't wait to see her, you know, have the good times we share. And uh, all night said, well, I, I, I hope she's really behind me because I can't stop anticipating all of this good stuff I'm going to get. Uh, and, of course, Onlatz looked back and he saw her behind him. him. And, of course, uh, the Clam King had to keep it like the word. So the circle of life uh, made her dissipate into the sea and vanish. And Shelley said there's another version where it's the wife of a king and the human, and she looks back, uh, like, and it's the same thing. And Shelley did say, it's a, pay, it's a setup and a pain in the butt. And I said, exactly. And the children kept laughing. And they said, I love that we can say butt, and it'll make you laugh. Uh, and we don't have to use other words. And then the kid said, I said, no, Marco, no, do not say that word. Uh, but so then Omelots, this is the part Shelley started. This is the, her tale. So Omelots, like, uh, that's usually where it stops. Then Omelots just goes on living Omelots' own life. Uh, and Shelley said, uh, but there's an important part that's missed out because uh, it doesn't involve the flashiness of Omelots. And uh, it's an essential uh, fairy myth. I said, is it vestigial? And uh, or does that mean when you have a tale of where your butt's supposed to be? And then I said, I'm sorry, I had to fit in another butt. Uh, and uh, uh, Shelly said, it may be archetypal. And I said, okay, I'll go with that. Uh, go ahead, Shelly. Sorry for interrupting you. But Shelly said that, uh, okay, oh, so Onlots just went off on Onlots' own world. But in this tale, on Onlots' return, Onlots has still lived with his grandmother. Uh, Fossey was her name. And uh, Omelotz just went back to Omelotz's room and started kicking it uh, in bed and looking at stuff. And uh, Grandmother came and she said, Omelotz, is that you? And Omelotz said, yeah, what's up, Grandma? And Omelotz uh, said, 
my my oboe is uh, like I needed some polish, Grandma. Like, do you got any polish for my oboe? And the grandmother gave him a look, and on her face it was clear the message was W T F, and she said that to him. Uh, and ask your parents what that means. Uh, but she said, Omlots, uh, I thought you would be married and wed to your beloved. And Omlots said, yeah. And then she said, and Omlots, I thought your beloved had gone deep beneath the sea and you would go, go down there and negotiate with, uh, on good faith with Clam King uh, to break the cycle of life rules. And Omlots said, yeah. And then uh, 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 Grandmother Fossey said, and I, you know, of course, sent word ahead to, to, to Clam King to bend the rules. Uh, but, you know, you don't don't bend, you know, maybe bend them in a way. Uh, so she said, what happened? And uh, Omar said, I don't know. I, I, uh, and she said, what happened to Omar's? Uh And Omar said, uh, the Clam King said, I couldn't look back until we got to the surface. And I looked back and then she dissipated and was gone. Uh, because I, like, I was uh, supposed to trust the Clam King. And Grandmother Fossey sighed, and she said, Oh, not so. Uh, and Omlot said, Anyway, Grandma, I'm going to go do some adventuring and some oboe playing, and uh, I got to go do some stuff. Uh, can you make me some uh, lunch? And uh, to say, Grandmother Fossey, uh, her, her, her face turned many shades of maroon, we'll say. And she said, own lots, you are in a timeout uh, for a very long time. And I'm t- she took his oboe, broke it over her knee, uh, smooshed it to, to get, now she was a goddess, uh, I should tell you that. Uh, and she used the mystical energy to make it into a fiddle. Now, what Omlatsa did not know was Grandmother Fossey was at a turning point in her life. Uh, she was the goddess of lost things. And for the longest time, both humans and gods and goddesses and demigods and demigoddesses, uh, they would go to Fossey or they would pray to Fossey or they would, uh, you know, make tribute to her. Uh, for she could far see, you know, they'd say, and uh, they would ask her, oh, please help me find this. And sometimes it was something uh, like a few a few pennies or what's a penny? Okay, don't interrupt. You're a baby. How? how oh, I was just thinking that in my head. Uh, or a book or it could be a memento. And sometimes it was exciting or challenging and they would be very happy and very pleased, but it always felt a little bit empty to Fossey. And she always felt like she was being the goddess of lost things. Uh, it just didn't fill her up. Uh, it was all a lot of thank yous, and uh, you all were so happy. Uh, thanks for our stuff back. I uh, can't wait. Oh, we lost it again. And, you know, they would know. She could, you know, she could use, do some light smoting uh, for people that were constantly losing things. So she could have her amusements and uh, 
create learning experiences or what such things. And there were truly thankful people, but she was always unsatisfied. And to be honest, she was over it. Uh, she was over being the goddess of lost things. Uh, she had been it a long enough time, and clearly Onlots couldn't handle something like that. Uh, so she said, what am I to do? But there was also something in Onlots' story. The same thing Shelley had kind of talked about, it, that, uh, but she wasn't a aiming her ear at uh, Benel and the Clam King for the rules of the gods cannot be understood by anyone or judged by anyone. But Fossi, they couldn't help but think about how quickly Onlots had just forgotten about his beloved and how she had dissipated and, and uh, she placed a call to the Clam King through whatever the god waterphone and the Clam King, she said, where's it? What, what happened? And the Clam said, I do not know. Uh, you know, it takes, uh, you understand the kind of energy it takes to break the circle of life. Uh, and that was the only way, that was the only way I could manage the energy. So I don't know uh, what happened. I'm sorry. I can't uh, do a refund or anything. And uh, she said, thank you. But it's pulling at me. It's uh, uh, poking at me. Uh that she is not a lost thing. Uh, she's much more than that. And, and again, she focused it on Onlots. Uh, she said, I'm going to set out to find her. And she picked up her fiddle, and she started to walk across the countryside, playing song of, uh, of what it would be, you know, imagining, empathizing, what it would be like to be own lost, own lots beloved, lost, uh, and forgotten. And so she pinned the tune of, uh, being the lost, lost, or the lost and lost again. And sometimes she would cloak it in a little metaphor, like as a, a children's marble or something. Uh, and as she, she traveled, uh, she felt an energy starting to gather around her and to watch her. And at first she thought it was just the towns she was visiting because the people, it did seem to affect them and make them maybe a little more appreciative and conscientious and mindful of the moment and the things and the relationship with those things and with the people in their lives. Uh, but she also felt something else, and so she headed it deep into the woods uh, to a clearing where she played the song for the creatures of the woods. And she sensed more and more of this energy gathering. And she opened up her vision, uh, you know, to beyond Roy G. Biv, uh, visible visual spectrum, she said. And she said, I could see you. Come, come closer, come closer. And she saw... Some of the lost, uh, the other lost. And she said, oh, come around, tell me your tale. And I said, well, I'm a bit of bibbidi-bow, you know. And uh, he said, I, I so relate to your tale of the lost, uh, then lost again. And uh, I'd like to help you, is what the, these uh, energy beings were saying to her. And she said, oh, well, I could use some help. I'm looking uh, for someone whose name I don't have because I forgot to ask my uh, grandson. Uh, but she was once the beloved of Onlots, and 
And so they helped her to craft a tale because no one knew. All these other energy beings, once lost, now found, and now a gathering, a community, traveling across the land together, gathering more of the lost, uh, but at the same time visiting human areas. And while the humans could only see Farsi and hear her song, they could feel the energy. And it was growing and growing, uh, and it would again remind them, oh, what is this song for? What is this song about? What is this feeling inside me? And the towns, for a time she would visit, would uh, be more aware. Uh, but still she traveled, and she said, well, uh, if I need to travel the whole world, uh, I'll do so until we find her. Uh, and they said, maybe she's in the sea, so they walked across the coasts of the world playing. And again, this is, you say, well, this isn't how time, I say, well, this is a goddess, and this is how time works for her in travel. And everywhere she went, uh, uh, you know, where there was people, she brought a little bit of calm, and the energy was growing and growing in more and more of the lost, or just lost uh, pieces of uh, fragments of memories were following her and joining in her chorus. Uh, and soon they all felt something pulling at them. And they set out across the great plain, playing their song, and Fosse started to sense that soon uh, she would encounter Onlot's beloved, and Onlot's beloved would be found for the third time, uh, and deep on this plain where the earth was cracked with dryness from the sun, uh, covered, the plain covered in, uh, the energy of the lost, uh, singing with the deepest of connection of a heartfelt, uh, collaboration with Farsi. They met Onlot's beloved. She said, my name is Carmen, by the way. You know, thanks for looking for me. And they had a few laughs, and they actually made up some songs that they all sang at Onlots' expense. And it was a lovely moment. And Vasi uh, uh, said, this is nice. Uh, but then uh, Carmen saw something and Vasi's uh, face. She said, what is it? And she said, well, it's, uh, it's great we're all together. But she said, I still feel that dissatisfaction and not the 3333 1% dissatisfaction of emptiness. Uh, we have all of this. Uh, and we have something special amongst us, but what do we do? And right as she said that, uh, as the fates may have had it, uh, there was a rumbling in the sky. And from the sky came a steam, and then lowering to the plain came a giant pyramid made of some sort of uh, shiny metal towering over the plain, uh, bigger than any human. Uh, I mean, these were a lot of formerly lost humans anyway. Uh, but it lowered onto the plain, and steam came out of it, and it shined in the sun, not like gold, but like some sort of thing. Uh, that you'd say, well, that's like the inside of a, like a very fancy shell. And, uh, you know, Fonsi thought of uh, 
the Clam King, but this didn't feel like it was from uh, the Earth. Uh, and then a door on the giant pyramid opened, and Fossey felt something. Uh, and then out of the door emerged a being, much like a human, who came out uh, carrying a, like a can, uh, which looked like it would have carried drinking water or something, uh, and, and at his side. And they were singing uh, kind of a welcoming song, saying, wondering song, a curious song, all the lost. And uh, that's what Fossey was singing, a song about being lost. And uh, the being was stunned as it looked on uh, Fossey. Couldn't see any of the other energy beings because uh, this was no god. This was just a, a mortal being, I guess. I don't know. I don't have the details. I don't know if I forgot to ask Shelley that. And uh, the being came down and stood at the, uh, within a c- c- comfortable distance of Fosse and waited for a song to end. And said, that is wonderful and wonderfully strange, for I am lost. Uh, and Fosse laughed and said, well, aren't we all in some sense? Uh, and uh, the being said, well, I'm really lost. My name's Meoslav. Uh, and... Uh, I'm lost here. I'm travel been traveling in this pyramid, and uh, you don't happen to have any plasma gas, do you? And uh, Fossey said, "No, no, no plasma gas, and no, 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 no gas at all here." As a matter of fact, uh, and uh, Mayoslav was mumbling something about the matter, to his antimatter, or something. He said, wow, that was quite a song. So no, no plasma gas, because my readout said, charted this unbelievable level of uh, energy, and I knew it must be wrong, uh, because it was something like I've never encountered anywhere in the universe. The power of this energy was spectacular. And what I've been searching for across time and space... Uh, and Fossey said, really, really? And that you're ser- so you're searching the universe for plasma gas? Uh, and Mayoslav said, no, 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 no. The, pyra- the, the engines of the pyramid run out. This is an ancient pyramid uh, and uh, also a ship that travels through time and space. Uh, but it runs on plasma gas. Uh, and I forgot to fill it up because I've been so dedicated to my mission. Uh, but we also sprung a leak uh, this uh, giant pyramid is a way to collect uh, raw energy and, you know, slightly refined energy. Each level of the pyramid, as you can see, refines and distills the energy a little bit more until it reaches the top there. And uh, Mayoslav pointed up there and Fossey looked, and it, it seems like there was something special at the top of the pyramid that you couldn't see, but you could sense uh Mayoslav said, yes, that's where the energy reaches its highest state, uh, ready uh, for its purpose. Uh, and Fossey was curious, of course. Uh, she said, purpose? What is it? So you're traveling time and space, collecting energy, distilling energy, and refining energy for what? Uh, you know, for just stuff or something. I, I hear of people that do that here on Earth. Uh, and uh, Mayoslav said, oh, no, no, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm to deliver it to Stroyd. Uh, if Stroyd has a great uh, 
Base, oh, uh, you're familiar with Stroid. And, uh, Fossey said, well, what is this Stroid plan on doing with all this energy? Sounds, uh, how much energy are we talking about? And Mesa said, nothing like uh, what I saw in my charts here, but, uh, uh, a lot of energy. Uh, Stroid needs a lot of energy to help. And she said, help what? And, and then, uh, Mayostov got quiet. He said, ah, you see, out there in space is a god named Stroid. That is the god I serve. Uh, Stroid is the god of lost objects in space. And Stroid is out there with thousands and thousands of rocky eyes watching the universe for lost objects uh, to help them. Uh, find gravity's pull. And uh, the job involves a lot of waiting, so Stroid does a lot of watching. And long ago, uh, Stroid's eyes uh, fell here on this planet, uh, and Stroid fell in love uh, with the people of this planet, watching them, watching their lives, watching millions of lives with millions of eyes, watching their ups and the downs, and all destroyed could ever dream about uh, for thousands of years was helping. Helping, uh, do you know anything about, like, when people, uh, like, uh, like uh, lose something? And Fosse took in a breath, uh, clearly. And she said, yes, I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, go on. And Mayosa said, uh, Stroid's like yearning it to help uh, Stroid's love of uh, uh, this planet and its people and its creatures and all things. Uh, it almost blinded Stroid to the fact that uh, this planet was already in the embrace of a goddess named Atmosphere. And when Stroid finally let his vision fall back one day, Stroid sensed... Uh, atmosphere wrapping this planet in her arms and Stroid fell in love once again with atmosphere and through a slow and long and convoluted way of communicating they began to communicate and further the deepening connection between them and to see the uh, the plight of the humans on this planet to know that it's not a god's place to just intervene and interrupt uh human life, uh, but, but, but still wanting to help. And finally, Atmosphere and Stroid decided that they would find a way to make a covenant, to, to make a compact, uh, to make a physical embodiment of that help uh, by making a child between the two of them. And they decided that that child would help the Earth uh, and the people of the Earth uh, but they need that, so that's what the energy's for. And as if our Fosse said, "Why, what, you lost me there at the end. Uh, what, what are you planning on doing exactly with the child and the energy things?" Uh, and Mayosov said, "Do you mean short term or long term?" And Fosse said, "Just tell me." And they said, "Well, the child will come here, and as I deliver the energy out, destroyed and destroyed, will imbue." Uh, small lost bodies in space that haven't found gravity's pull. 
will imbue those bodies with the energy and use the energy to send those towards atmospheres, uh, warm embrace in the gravity of the pull, the pull of gravity at your planet here. And because we've distilled the energy in this ancient magical pyramid from, so this is not my, my construction, by the way, I can't take credit for this pyramid. It is uh, some ancient, uh, a device to, uh, to bring energy to higher levels, uh, not of purity in a way, but of purity of intent uh, to, to where the energy only vibrates in a way, willing to help, willing to make the best. Uh, Fossey was still stunned by all of this and all of the other energy beings. Clearly, they said, what in the heck? Uh, what are the frigging odds? Uh, mach, machina ex deus in some sense or something. I don't know. Uh, uh, or was it synchronicity? Oh, was it all the planet? I don't know. Or just like, I mean, she had been traveling in the music, so it could have sent a beacon. Also, great uh, sensors on the ship. Uh, the sensors were correct, even though they were so powerful, the energy, it made Meoselov doubtful. And Fossey said, so the children, the, the, the first child, and then all these other objects, these lost beings, uh, these lost space objects, uh, they'll return to the Earth to help humans. Uh, and Emeoslav said, yes, yes, we, we're thinking they're, they're thinking about calling the, the god the stranger or the traveler, one of the two. And Vasi uh, said, definitely number two. The first one, I, I would toss that out. Uh, and anyway, Mayoslav said, anyway, I'm sorry, I've been talking about myself and my mission, and, you know, I need the plasma gas. Uh, I still have enough uh, uh, maybe to get out of here, but I really could have used it uh, with the leak. Uh, I don't know, do, like, maybe we could, I could try to patch up the leak while I'm here, and then I'll get back to collecting energy. It'll probably take me another two, 3,000 years. Uh, but I didn't hear about you. What, what, I'm sorry, I'm Mayoslav, you are. And she said, I'm Farsee, a goddess of lost things here on Earth. Uh, and uh, Mayoslav said, that's uh, funny, funny stuff. Uh, that's okay. If you don't believe in my mission, it's fine. And she said, I'm a grandmother. Uh, and, uh, she goes, I guess I'm looking back. And uh, she goes, I was trying to right the wrongs of my grandson instead of helping him this trip. Uh, and she said, he said, grandmother, that's a nice, and grandparents are nice. Uh, he goes, most of the time, you got a pretty good, uh, some, and she goes, yeah, it's a nice image, uh, a perfect grandparent. Uh, and uh, Mayoslav said, maybe, uh, maybe I could talk to Atmosphere and uh, Stroyd about uh, maybe calling them magical grandparents or something. And Fossey said, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. She goes, you know what's nice are those, uh, the fairies that live in the forest and the sprites. Uh, she goes, what about a fairy godmother? You know, not a grandparent, so then you have a little extra turn. You know, mothered by a goddess uh, and uh, godfather. Fairy godmother and fairy godfather for your creatures. And Miroslav sighed and said, well, I like the idea. I wish... Uh, Circumstances were different. Uh, didn't lose all the energy. And uh, Fossey said, your, your readout was correct. Uh, 
was surrounded by energy. I can fix your ship. I'm sure I could design. I, I still have goddess powers, and I have the power of this uh, magically imbued fiddle. So I can get us across space. Uh, and then she touched uh, the eyes of Miroslav. Uh, Miroslav, I think, uh, is the correct name. But in then he could see all of the energy beings all around him, the lost and then lost again. And uh, he began to realize, he began to sense the energy within them was already distilled. It was already pure. It was already wanting to help. Uh, and at the top of the pyramid, uh, already was at work uh, playing a fiddle, a, a song of repair. She said, uh, Mayoslav, I want you to meet uh, my friends. Uh, she said, friends, what do you think about becoming some fairy godparents? Uh, and all the beings began to smile, a beaming smile. And that beaming smile echoed out into space, and atmosphere, he felt it, and Stroyd felt it. And they knew that the plan would be set in place, uh, and Shelley said, the, you, the rest uh, kind of explains itself, doesn't it? And I said, holy moly, Shelley. That was, uh, I said, that is great. Uh, where do I get, where, where's the pyramid though now? And Shelley said, it continues. Uh, she goes, it's a metaphor probably, but don't ruin it for the children. She goes, but that's where the energy of the fairy uh, god people comes from. And I said, well, you could use that pyramid right about now, huh? And then I said, oh, Shelley, I'm sorry. It was the wrong time to joke. Uh, and I said, I'm just a human. If it wasn't for my co-teacher, Shelley, I would be much. And uh, I said, Shelley, I still need your help. Uh, clearly, uh, clearly I do. And I said, would you like to uh, work with me again? Maybe be my personal uh uh, how do you feel about telling babies stories for Shelley? But that was the end of Shelley's tale, of thinking about how the world is in atmospheres embrace and how even the lost and lost again, their energy continues around the universe, out into the lost pieces of space, bringing them back across uh, to be of aid and service. Uh, such a nice thing. All you babies are here in atmospheres embrace and stroids millions of eyes. Sleepily look down on you, sending you comfort and caring. For stroid watches with empathy and compassion as you head off to sleep. Good night.